laws give you a choice to disobey him and live by sight and live by your feelings and live by uh, the things of this world, or you can live by vision what God says. You know, God says we're to live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, and in him we live and move and have our being. And so God wants us to be like Joshua and Caleb. And I found this to be true, that people who won't obey and walk in God's vision never find out the vision for their life. If they won't follow the vision for the church and the kingdom of God and the greater things, the greater causes, why would God reveal to them the vision for their life? If you won't, if you won't take on God's vision, why would he give you another vision to disobey? Because the two visions are connected together. That's why people aren't just to go to churches randomly. They're to go to the church they're called to. Otherwise, you'll miss the vision for your life. And you'll miss the vision for your assignment. You know, you can't just go play for any team in the NFL. You get chosen to be able to go play on that team. You don't go just, well, I like this church this week, and I like what they served up this week, or I like that. No, God sets into the body every member as it pleases him. And so... And, and, and what you're, you're not only getting set into a captain, that's a pastor, a company, that's a bunch of believers, but you're getting set into a commission or a vision. And you can't just live randomly, go where you want, do what you want, and think, because that's what that Broadgate church is in Matthew 7, that they'll say, yeah, Lord, we cast out devils in your name, we prophesied in your name, we did many wonderful works in your name. See, these are Christians. You don't do things in Jesus' name if you're a Buddhist. This is talking about the church, folks. Doing Christian things in Jesus' name, and then him saying, I never even knew you. Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. To do Christian things and not do the things God told you to do is iniquity. Now, a lot of people don't think about that. Just, well, go get some church stuff, some church verses, and... Bible verses and do some Bible. Th- no, no. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. That's the defining way that you know a son of God is because they're led by the Spirit of God. Somebody say amen. Now, everything the Spirit leads you to do will be in the Word. The Spirit only leads you to do biblical things. You all understand that, right? Okay, well, let's pray. We didn't pray yet. And we're going to pray. We're going to jump into this thing about vision. We're going to talk about it this week, and we're going to give you an opportunity to sign up for it next week. Amen. Father, we thank you for your goodness. Father, we thank you for the revelation that the Spirit gives us. Father, I pray today that you give clarity of mind and articulation of speech and boldness of spirit that we might speak like an oracle before you, Lord, not of myself. And Father, I pray that each one here would have ears to hear, hearts to receive. Father, a willingness to do and be changed and transformed and have a renewed mind and live a renewed life for a renewed eternity that you have for us, and we thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Well, you know, the wanderers, and you know, there's two types of people. Joshua and Caleb, they were given the vision, take the land, and and you're going to have to conquer the enemies. You're going to go to the land that flows with milk and honey, the land of promise, uh, and Canaan land, and, and go out and check it out, and I'll give you an opportunity to see it through the lens of faith or the lens of fear. And selfishness. Fear has me at the center of my world. Faith has God at the center of my world. Let me say that again. Fear has 
me at the center of my universe. Faith has God at the center of my, at my, his universe. And you'll get a choice to live that way. You'll get a choice to live by vision, or you'll get a choice to live by your way. And there is a way that seems right unto a man, but the ways thereof are the ways of death. And the vast majority chose to follow those who live by their flesh, their feelings, their fears, and follow a non-visionary path. And two, Joshua and Caleb followed a path that was a vision given by their leaders. Somebody say amen. We know the story well. They wandered for 40 years with no direction. It's kind of as if God would say, you don't want my direction? Baby, you got it. No direction for you. If you can't live by the direction I give you, don't ever ask for any more. Don't ask for the direction that I want, not, you know, myself what I want, not the direction that I, God, wants to give to you. See, we've got to take the direction that God, because he knows things we don't know. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And we need to follow him whether we understand it or not. Somebody say amen. It's so important that we understand vision. Because I tell you what, I don't want to wander for 40 years and then perish. I want to go ahead and be a Joshua and Caleb and believe and enter into my promised land. So that's why Proverbs 29, 18 says this. It says, where there is no vision, the people perish. There was no vision when they said, no, we're not going to go in. There's giants in that thar land. There's tall, uh, great big walls in that thar land. We can't take that. There was no vision. Because you know what they did with the vision? They took it, they spit on it, they threw it on the ground, and they walked on it. It was go in and take the land. They said, no, too big of giants, too big of walls. We ain't going to, God. How do you like that? Well, God says, well, don't ever hear from me ever again. How do you like that? When I talk to you, if you can't listen and obey, don't expect me to talk to you again, oh, little rebellious ones. And so they wandered for 40 years miserably in a wilderness. And then they perished. God had to wait till a whole new generation came who would obey the vision under the leadership of Joshua and Caleb to go in and take the promised land. So that is why it says, where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law happy is he. How many of you want to be happy in life? Amen. So where there's no vision, people perish. You know, there, you know we, we really have vision really applies to every area, self, family, and church. And I'm going to tell you something that is very counterintuitive. Some people think, well, I need to get the vision for my, my life right, and I can get it for my family, and then I'll follow the, the church's vision. It works just the opposite. It works just the opposite. Some people want to pursue their vision first, and then if there's time left over for their kids, and then if there's after that, if there's time left over for the church, then we might you know, throw it the, uh, the crumbs under the table of what's left. But it doesn't work that way. It does not work that way. It starts out with engaging in the vision of the church, and then it'll begin to affect the vision for your family, and the vision for yourself will hardly even need to be explained at that point because everything will start falling in place. You see, Solomon was one who sought first the kingdom. You can look at 1 Kings, the 6th chapter, and the 7th chapter, then the ninth chapter, verse 10. You can see that Solomon very consciously 
very intentionally built the house of God first before he built his own house. And let me tell you, vision is building things. To build, and I'm going to show you how everything about vision is like building a building. And he built his house second because he knew that he needed to seek first the kingdom of God and all these things would be added to him. The context of your life has to be within the context of God and his kingdom first. You're not the pie, you're just a piece of it. Somebody say amen. Say, I'm not the pie, I'm just a small piece of it. And if I don't comprehend the pie, I don't comprehend myself. So you got to see the bigger picture first. And, you know, in economics, they have macroeconomics, and then you got microeconomics. And if you don't understand the macro, the big picture, it's hard to put together and to follow in the small picture. And so it's macro vision versus my little micro vision. And you've got to get the macro vision first, and you've got to get it right. And that's why Solomon would build God's house first, and then his house second. Now, there was a group of people who did just the opposite. And we, you all know where that is. It's Haggai. Haggai, it says, you're building your fancy panel ceiling houses, and you're spending all your time, money, energy, and thoughts, and devotion in building your houses, and you're leaving the house of God unbuilt. And because of that, your pockets are like they have holes in them. There is no rain for your land. There isn't anything that you put your hand to that you can seem to make any profit. How many of you know Solomon was the richest and the wisest man in the world of his time? How many of you know in Haggai, they could not, no matter what they did, no matter how hard they worked, there's two types of people, Solomon, the richest guy, and the days of Haggai, who are habitually broke and impoverished and couldn't do anything to make money come their way. And that is because they had microvision before macrovision. They had their house first and God's house second. And because of that, they were completely impotent when it came to prospering. And everything in they, that they put their hand to did not prosper, but it became impoverished because they did not have the kingdom first and all these things will be added unto you mentality. How many of you know when I talk about that, Matthew 6, where Jesus said, seek first the kingdom and all my righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. You know, God doesn't mind that you have your own things. He just wants to make sure that you attend to his things first because he is the priority. All things emanate from him. All things don't emanate from you. And when you get him right, then automatically uh, it's going to be right for you. And so when we have vision and an understanding of that, many things in our lives can change. But let's look at the mechanics of vision. Turn with me to Habakkuk, the second chapter, and we're going to just look at my responsibilities, your responsibilities, and God's responsibilities in this thing called vision. And it's really a simple thing, and we've, we've really gone over this verse a million times in this church, but it's worth repeating and stirring up your pure minds by way of remembrance. Can I get an Amen. Tell it again, lest at any time we let it slip, like it says in Hebrews. Because, you know, we, have a, we just have this way, us humans, of letting God's word slip in our lives. And it says there, I will stand upon my watch, I will set upon the tower, and I will watch to see what he will say unto me. What I shall answer when I'm reproved. And the Lord answered me and said, so the, the job of God is God is the giver of vision. 
Pastors don't give visions. Now, some might, but that's why I pray and I seek, and I go, Lord, what is it? How, how is it that you want me to lead these people? I could make up things to do. I, I, I've endeavored to do things, and I saw in part, and I got maybe part of it maybe wrong, but in the bigger picture, it was right. I got some of the particulars maybe a little bit wrong, but in the bigger picture, I knew what God was wanting us to do. I know that God wants us to turn that building into something, and I know that God wants us to, to do certain things with it for ministry. I know that God wants us to do soul winning. I know that God wants us to fellowship, and so we, we have that in back. I know God wants us to teach the Word, so we have this area here. I know God wants us to reach out, so that can be used for that over there. I, I know the basic things, and I know when God begins to deal with me, and we see in part, we know in part, and we might not know every single detail, but God can guide us, and God can give us direction. How many of you believe that today? And we can then make, make goals, and we can make uh, so that we work towards that. We can take up offerings so we can move towards that. We can mobilize you as workers so we can move towards that and towards getting people saved and doing the work of the ministry. And as we look at that, it says that God would, would say, so it's my job, I'm uh, the visionary for this. You're the visionary for your life. You're the visionary dads for your home. Pastors are the visionaries for their church. Businessmen, you're the visionary for your business. If you're working for a company, you're the visionary for your department. You need to be hearing from God. You need to be writing it down, and then you need to be implementing it. It's that simple. Somebody say amen. So when we become that and we realize that, we, we, I believe that God will speak to us on every level. God will speak to you about the goals you should have for your life. God will speak to you how you should raise your kids. God will speak to you how you ought to do that business. God will tell, speak to you about how you ought to run that department or how you ought to run that machine at work or however. Whatever your domain that you're over, he'll start giving you vision and direction how to do it for the glory of God. But so number one, I'll stand on my watch. I'll see a uh, set of my tower and, and uh, we'll watch and see what he'll say unto me. So my job is to seek God. God's job is to answer and give vision. And the Lord answered me, and he said, Write the vision and make it plain upon tables, that he may run that readeth it. Now let's, let's break that down just for a minute. So God is the vision giver. The leader, the visionary, is the vision receiver. He receives it. He writes it down. He makes it plain. And he begins to employ the people to that end or that direction. And so it's very important that we understand that we have a, a, a job or an assignment that God gives us. And we're to build something. Everything that God does is, is a type of building. And I'll, I'll prove that to you in just a moment. Everything that God does, he's building something. And how many of you know you can't build in something without the instructions, without the blueprint? If you do, it could really end up screwed up. So look at this, and he says, so number one, God gives the vision. The visionary or the leader, he's responsible for receiving it from God, writing it down. We write it down every year. We make it as plain as possible. We don't want to complicate it, make it real super complicated. And then I start giving you opportunity to share in the implementation of that vision through the ministry of helps, through financial giving, through joining up and helping with work days. There's, there's a lot of ways that we employ you in the vision, that we get you engaged in what God wants us to do corporately. And so don't just think that that's just church work. Remember, this is vision from God that we're obeying an assignment. If you just see it as just church work, 
you're missing the whole point. And it ultimately is for you to be developed and to bring you to a higher level. And then it says that the people are to run, read the vision and to run. The runners are the people. Because let's read there in verse 3. Write the vision and make it plain upon tables that he that may run that readeth it. So there are people that read it and run with it. There are people you get the, the vision communicated to you. you. You look at the little vision sheet we got. You read it every once in a while and you run with it. In other words, you start doing what it takes to make that vision come to pass. And when you do that for God, God will begin to do things for you. What you make happen for God, he'll make happen for you. What you make happen for God's house, he'll make happen for your house. And I, and I, and I believe this, when Solomon built God's house first, when, when Solomon made uh, happen for you know, God's house, he built it, God made that happen for him, and it got built. And so I really believe that it's a reciprocity because we're in a covenant. A covenant has reciprocity. God gives his life for us, we give our life for him. But why did God give his life for us? Because Abraham was willing to give Isaac and lay him down and sacrifice him. And then Father God laid down his son Jesus and sacrificed him. And now we need to lay down our life again and sacrifice, be a living sacrifice for, for the Lord. Can I get an amen this morning? So when we understand these things, we understand how covenant works. We're in this uh, relationship with God. So it says that, you may run with it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. Now you're going to have to have patience. But at the end, it shall speak and not lie. And though it tarry, wait for it. Everybody say, turn your name and say, wait for it. Because it will surely come and it will not tarry. There's a time it will come and it won't tarry anymore. Now here's the most important part, verse 4. And generally, I don't even go into verse 4 because there's just a slight negative side to verse 4. You know, you want to get happy, you want to be enthusiastic, you, you want to be a little bit motivational when you talk about vision. You want to bring people up and you want them to go and you want to, you know, let's charge, let's go after it. And you don't even like to talk about, but, but, the, but the sad fact of the matter is verse 4 goes right along with what's being said. And that's why I, my, my choice for title today is a choice to hook up and live by vision, because it is a choice. I can't make any one of you get excited, get employed, and get blessed by this vision. No matter what I do, it's always your choice to, to be a part of it. And behold, his soul, which is lifted up, is not upright in him. But the just shall live by his faith. What is that saying? Behold, his soul, which is lifted up, is not upright in him. There are some people that will never obey another man's vision. There, will be, there are some people that will never get into a cause higher than themselves. There are people who will never volunteer for anything. I was so blessed, you know, as I came to church, and there's the Belchers both in here cleaning. It just blesses me. They're buying into the vision. They're taking care of God's house. They're keeping it clean. I, I like when I see not just a husband or not just a wife, but it blesses me to see a husband and a wife involved in the house of God. It really blesses me to see that. And, and you know, there, there's just something about that, that that is powerful. But you can see here it says, Behold, his soul, which is lifted up, is not upright. There are some people who don't care about anything but themselves, and they'll never have a vision for their life. Some people don't understand, what, what, what are you talking about, all this vision stuff? 
I've never gotten any vision from God in my life. And I, but yet I noticed about those type of people, they never do anything for anybody else, much less God. They don't ever spend themselves for something that they don't see directly is going to benefit them. You've got to give yourself away in this life. You can't live for self. Self is not a high enough cause. Excuse me, sorry if, if that bursts anybody's bubble, but let me tell you something. Yourself is not a big enough cause to live for. We're all called to lay down our life and be like Jesus and pick up our cross. We're all called to serve the Lord who laid down his life for us, and we're called to lay down our life for him. And laying down our life for him is serving other people and getting other people saved. We don't come into the kingdom of God and slam the door shut behind us so nobody else can come in. We stand there and be the doorman in the house of the Lord and keep the door open and help them to come in. You see, the vision is building God's house. And it should be the vision of every church to build God's house. Can I get an amen? So we've got to understand there's two types of people. Those who behold his soul, which is lifted up, is not, is not upright. One translation says they're filled with pride. Then it says, and in him, but the just shall live by his faith. And in most translations, it says the just shall live by his faithfulness. There's people who are faithful in the vision. Because we're talking about this is in response to the vision. There's some people who won't hook up with it and their soul's not upright and because it says because they're filled with pride. They're not going to be involved in anybody else's stuff. It's going to be my terms, my way, always my deal. Never Go submit to some preacher. Are you kidding me? Do what that boss tells me to do. He can go stick it. I'm not going to submit to nobody. See, that's pride. The vision of that boss and that job, the vision of that pastor in that church, the, vi the vision of anything bigger than ourselves it takes humility, it takes faithfulness, and it takes doing it for God, not man. Can somebody say amen? amen? If you have a problem submitting to a man, just remember, God's, you're submitting because God told you to, not because of that man. Right. And when you submit, you're submitting to God, not that grouchy boss that puts you down and treats you wrong. You're submitting to God, you're not submitting to him. Somebody say Amen. Because God told you to. So vision is important. It's a submitting to the plan of God. So there's two types of people. Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Everybody say, Jesus is a builder. <laughs> Building takes a vision and a blueprint and a plan. God builds everything with a vision or a plan. It's an assignment. God, by vision, had assignments to many men who built. There were men. Uh, Moses built the tabernacle. David and Solomon built the temple. Ezra rebuilt the temple. Nehemiah rebuilt the wall. Noah uh, built the ark. We could go on and on with all the things. And, you know, when they went into the promised land, Joshua and Caleb built uh, a nation. They built a Republican form of government. And, and they did many things. God has us to build in so many ways. Turn with me, and everybody turn here to this, Ephesians 2, 19 through 22. And we can see that God is a builder. He's the chief cornerstone, the Bible says. And it says that we are a, a building that's being built together. He's building the church. Now we're talking, we can build a physical building, but God is building a spiritual habitation, it says in Ephesians. And we're going to begin there in Ephesians 2 and 19. Now, therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. 
and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are builded together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. God is a builder. God has blueprints. God wants to build churches. God wants to build the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God gets built as smaller as churches get built. But you got to have a vision for the kingdom. And you got to have a vision for that before you can have a vision for the local church and what goes on there. So how many would say it's pretty clear that God is a builder? Amen. Amen. And then he says right after that in chapter 4, we're going to look at verse 8. And he says, Wherefore he saith, when he ascended upon, up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Preachers are gifts to the body of Christ. Now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended into the lower parts of the earth, and he descended into the same, and he ascended up far above the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. For the perfecting, or you could say equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. What's the work of the ministry? We just read about it. It's being building the body of Christ. So my job is, you know, if I were a contractor, my job is uh, I'm building a house. But how do I do that? I go get some other subcontractors or some other contractors to help me build that house. Now, if they don't know how to do it, I have to help teach them. Or I have to teach them what the plans are for this house. I might have to teach them some new things that they've never done with the houses they built in the past. But in this house, you're going to have to learn some new things because we're going to build this house a little different than maybe the house that you used to build. But at any rate, there's going to be some plans. There's going to have to be a boss. And there's going to have to be a boss teaching and showing uh, the workers what they've got to do to get the house built. Can you all understand that this morning? See, that's what vision is. Because we are building a house, the Bible says, and there are uh, apostles, prophets, advanced pastors, teachers equipping and perfecting and, uh, so that people can go do the work of the ministry so that then he can assign them and employ them into the vision or the plan for the house, the blueprint, and so that they can go to work building it for God. So when you understand vision, you've got to understand that, yes, there's some people that God is going to reveal it to, and they're going to hear it, they're going to write down, and they're going to make plain a vision. And then they're going to present it to you, and you're to take the vision. You're to read the vision. You're to run with the vision. And then you're to help build whatever that vision, whether it's an ark, whether it's a tabernacle, whether it's a temple, whether it's the rebuilding of a wall or rebuilding of the temple. God is always building something. Jesus says, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So everybody say, Jesus is a builder. And we've got a blueprint and a foreman, and we're going to build. So that's all, that's all vision is. That's all that we're doing here, is we're building a place for people to come, get born again, and get discipled, and have their lives changed. And when we do that, uh, we can do it. But, you know, some people, they don't want to build God's house. They want to build their own deal. I remember what we said about Haggai. Haggai, they, they wanted to build their own houses and put God's house off. How many of you know, just, we just read it over there in Habakkuk, there are those whose heart, they're full of pride, and then there are those who are faithful about the vision. And so we want to be those people that are faithful. I want to give you an example of Noah, how that when you engage in God's vision, you are the one who gets blessed more than all the rest. Noah, there are two types of people in Noah's day. How many of you know the Bible says the world was filled with violence in the days of Noah, Genesis, the sixth chapter? How many of you know the Bible says they thought only on evil 
continually. Angels mated with human beings and created giants. It was a sick and wicked day. Today, human beings want to go have sexual experiences with angels. Yeah, that's, that's a practice today. It's very, it's very sick. It's very d- demonic. And when you see that, you see there's juxtaposed against that wicked world was this guy, Noah, who found favor and grace in God's sight, the Bible says. It says he walked with God. And he found grace. And how do you get grace with God? We access this grace with our faith. For by grace are you saved through faith. Not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not by works, so any man should boast. So whenever it says grace about anybody in the Bible, you know that that person was a faith man. Because it says in Romans 5.2, read it. It says we access grace. Our access card into that world of grace is faith. For by grace you are saved through faith. So we see that good old Mr. Noah was a faith man. Now, what does it say about the vision? It says the vision, you know, it says, you shall wait for it, for it shall tarry. But it shall not tarry, but it shall surely come to pass. And it's in the, it says, but the, the, the people that it's referring to, that their heart is not upright, or sometimes it says that they're full of pride. But then it says, but then there are those who are filled with faith. How many of you know that the people of Noah's day, you had those two people with the vision? You have this group of people that the Bible says is wicked. You have this group of people who says they only think about sin all day long. You have this people that have their own agenda. And see, later on in Matthew 24, it says, what will it be like when the Son of Man returns? It says it'll be like it was even as it was in the days of Noah. It says they'll be eating. They'll be drinking. And they'll be giving themselves in marriage. They'll be so caught up in them, themselves, me, myself, and I, the, only, the unholy trinity. Me, myself, and I, the unholy trinity. You know, the person I've made God, myself. They're eating, they were drinking, they were giving a marriage. Just like it says back in Habakkuk, there's two types of people. Those who were lifted up with pride and self, and those who were faithful. Good old Noah was faithful. And God presented to him a vision, and it was the vision to build an ark. And he gave him this vision to build an ark. With that vision to build an ark, because Noah was what? Noah was faithful. Faithful people relate to vision correctly. How do we know that? Let me say it again. Because Habakkuk says, right after it talks about the vision, it gives you two different types of people. Habakkuk 2.4. Let me read it one more time. Now, I know you're going to be about sick of hearing this, but let me tell you, behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright. That's talking about all the wicked people. Who wouldn't anymore follow a vision of God than the man in the moon back there in Noah's day? But there was one guy who would believe God. There's one guy who would build for a hundred and over a hundred years when everybody was probably laughing at him, when there was no such thing as rain, and there was no such thing as a boat. He built a boat for rain when there was no such thing. Now think about it. You got to have vision to do that. Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faithfulness. 
That's what it says about the vision. Habakkuk. It says that. It says there's two types of people. There were two types of people on the earth. There was Noah and everybody else. You ever feel like uh, us Christians are becoming a smaller and smaller crowd today? 3% tithe in America. Most Christians, 45% of Christians, don't attend church at all. Well, there are those who say, but Lord, Lord, we did many wonderful works in your name. We prophesied in your name. We cast out devils in your name. Did many wonderful works in your name. Sorry, I never knew you. There's going to be a rude awakening one day. And you see, there was a rude awakening in the days of Noah. Noah's the only one that took the vision. And the vision was build a boat. Build it this long. Build it this big. Do it this high. You know, he didn't have a whole lot of helpers. How many of you know Noah didn't get a lot of help? And in 2 Peter 2.5, it says he was a preacher of righteousness. Do you know what righteousness was in the Old Testament? Does anybody know what righteousness was in the Old Testament? There wasn't a law in Noah's day. As a matter of fact, the first law on murder came after Noah came out of the ark. There was no law. Do you know what righteousness was before the law? It's the same thing it was after the law. Obeying what God said. God only gave one word to planet earth in the day of Noah. And that was build an ark. Only one word from God to mankind, build an ark. So what was he preaching? You see, Noah was called a preacher of righteousness. There was only one word concerning righteousness to obey in that day. How many of you know obeying God's word is faith? And Abraham, because he obeyed God's word, it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Obeying God's word, that Jesus Christ is Lord, and i got to submit to him. If I'm going to be born again, i got to confess Jesus Lord, believe my heart, that God raised him from the dead, and I shall be saved. That's the word I have today for my salvation in the New Testament, is to obey that Jesus is Lord, to obey him and repent from my sin, to believe that God raised him from the dead, and I'll be saved in my day, because that's my word from heaven for me in this dispensation, to be right with God. But there was only one word from heaven in the day of Noah. It was build an ark. And there were two types of people in the days of Noah, the one who would obey it and all the others that were too busy eating and drinking and marrying and having their own wonderful life. And he got a little bit of help. But I ask you today, what was he preaching? I believe he was preaching the only word from heaven that he had, come help me build this ark. So you can be righteous too, and you'll get to ride on it. Because something I noticed, that the only people that got to ride the ark were his three sons and their wives, and they're the only ones that helped him. So I think what he was preaching, his salvation word for that day was, come help me build this ark. And that will tell me whether you're in faith and whether you're willing to obey a vision that God gives, or you're just living for yourself. And so he was preaching something because the Bible said he was a preacher of righteousness. And I don't know what he preached because in those days he didn't have a Bible. He only had one assignment or one word from God and that word was build this ark this way, this long, this big, this way. Have the animals come come and, and fill it up so the animal kingdom gets saved. But the animal kingdom isn't lost so they automatically get a free ticket onto the boat. How many of you know the animal kingdom didn't sin? 
and God wanted them saved. How many know man did sin and had to repent and have faith and believe God to get, to get saved? So, of course, the animals didn't have to help build it to get on it. But men who sinned and had to prove that they were righteous by obeying God, they had to do something because preaching necessitates a response. And the only thing that we can see that made Noah righteous is he obeyed God and built an ark. I believe without, with everything in my heart that it's really quite obvious what he was preaching. Come help build the ark. Come be a part of the vision of God that provides us salvation for others. Nobody had time. Everybody's too busy with that real important thing, eating and drinking. The Bible says, beware of those whose God is their belly. And marrying and giving in marriage. When you look it up in the ancient manuscripts, it meant giving in marriage meant homosexual marriage licenses, contracts. So they were a lot like we are today very depraved in our culture and they didn't want to build the ark and a people without a vision will what and the rain started coming down and the streets started getting filled up and then the story that they heard from the only word from God is I'm going to destroy the world with water you're to make a boat you're to get on it and can you imagine when they saw the rain? See, it never rained before that. How I many you know the, the earth was watered with mist before that? How, does anybody know that? Okay. That's the first time it ever rained, folks. And not only did it rain, but the aquifers broke and water came spewing up like old faithful. And then water started coming down and water started coming up. And there's animals walking over to that part of town where that great big boat was built. And all those animals, we don't know where they're coming from or how they got them to come, but all these animals are walking towards that boat that that crazy man, Noah, who's been preaching to us, wanting us to help him all these years. I mean, who would ever believe him if he's been preaching it for 100 years? We knew it wasn't going to happen. Well, wait, wait, maybe it is going to happen. All those animals are marching over there. Toward, those animals are getting on that boat. The water's up to our knees. All the, the animals are all in the boat. Holy cow, that door is shutting by itself and nobody's shutting the door. The door is shut. One day the door is going to be shut and people aren't going to be able to help build the church. And they're also not going to be saved by the message of the church either. Aren't you glad that Noah obeyed the vision, even if, and his family, Noah and his family obeyed the vision, even if nobody else did? Hmm. See, we need to obey the vision. We need to seek first the kingdom. And without a vision, all those people beating on the door, uh, we, you know, we would like to ride that boat. Without a vision. The people perished. How many of you know everybody on planet Earth perished? How many of you know nobody on planet Earth wanted to follow the vision? How many of you know there was one guy in his family who followed the vision? How many of you know he preached it for 100 years and gave him ample opportunity to get involved with the vision? But they perished because they refused. Because there's what? There's two types of people. 
there's two types of people. Those whose heart is not upright, but is full of pride and won't obey, obey the Habakkuk vision plan, and those who will, Noah and his family. And I believe this, it is not good for them. How many of you know it wasn't good for them who wandered in the wilderness for 40 years? How many of you know they perished in the wilderness? They wouldn't obey the vision to take the land. How many of you know they wouldn't obey the vision that he was preaching? I mean, what else was he preaching? They obviously didn't obey something, the plan of God to be saved. Why would God have been preaching to them? Through Noah. They wouldn't obey, and they perished. You see, it's very important that we understand that your obedience makes it better for you. It says in Hebrews 13, 17, Obey them that have the rule over you, and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls. As they that must give an account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. They should have obeyed Noah and helped build that ark because it was unprofitable for them in the final analysis. Leaders are for the express purpose to give vision. And don't think you're obeying Pastor Bill. See it as obeying the vision of God for your sake to be blessed. Somebody say amen. Because, you know, Noah's sons had it pretty good. You know, there are two who could obey and line up with the vision that Moses gave, Joshua and Caleb, and guess what? They entered the promised land. The rest of the world drowned, but the sons of Noah became the heads of the nations of the earth and all of mankind. You know, if they were poor when they built the ark, guess what? They owned the whole world after they landed the ark. Dude, Warren Buffett ain't got nothing over these guys. They owned it all. The whole world divided up eight ways. How many would say, you're pretty rich? How many know there's not a, a new resource on planet? There's just as much gold on earth as there was at that time. How many know there's not one ounce more gold now than there was in the days of Noah? How many there's not one ounce more dirt than there was in the days of Noah? We don't have anything more. We just divided it up seven uh, billion ways, and they had it all eight different ways. How many say that's pretty rich? I would say the guys that obeyed the vision came out on top. The guys that choked on the water and died at the bottom of the sea didn't come out very good. Because Noah and his family obeyed the vision. And they that don't walk and live by vision will perish. Let's all stand up. You know, don't be like in Luke, when they wanted to go out in the high highways and the byways, and they said, well, we're too busy. We've got some property we have to attend to. We've got a job we've got to attend to. We've got a family wedding we've got to attend to. It says that in Luke. But God says, go up and fill, up, fill the house. Go out in the highways and byways. Compel them to come in, that the Father's house might be full. You know, when they made those three excuses... When they made the excuses that they've got property that they just purchased, when they said they've got a job to attend to, an ox, and then when they said they had a marriage to go to, a wedding to go to, those are the three classic, always used excuses to not do God's will. 
And if you look carefully at the text, it says they were without excuse. They weren't excused for those three things. Not excused. Not excused. They were to come and compel people that the Father's house might be filled. Just like the boat God made for the people, he wanted to be filled. We've got to seek first the kingdom, and God will bless us. I'm going to ask you, after we pray, to take your seven, the thing with the goals, and start living by vision for yourself as part of the church. And just set goals for yourself that the Lord gives you. Not that Pastor Bill gives you, not that the world sets for you. You know, having a losing weight isn't the only goal you can have for 2018. How about reading our Bible more? How about coming to pray more? How about soul winning that you you say, I'm going to try to share the gospel with somebody every day. How about some real goals that line up with a real kingdom objective and vision? Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Father, I thank you for 2018. Father, as we kiss 2017 goodbye, we'll never pass that way again, but we can pass through 2018 in a different way. And we can make a choice to follow the vision that you've presented to us and be part of the solution and not part of the problem. And Father, we can become uh, the visionary that Noah was to our generation through building the church and preaching the message and bringing the people in. And Father, we ask that you'd be with us and you'd bless the people. Father, as we see the new year come in this evening, Father, let us uh, be uh, consecratory in our very uh, conception of this uh, experience of a new year. Let's not look at it, it's time to, uh, to drink and be merry, but it's a time to be sober and serious and say, God, what do you want us to do?